Good morning, church. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of John, chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Hear God's word for us. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming. When no one can work, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning, good morning. My name is Gabe Coyle. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want you to know what's about to happen doesn't normally happen, okay? (gasps) Ooh. That's always a fun statement to start with anything. Um, Here's the deal. Uh, I'm going to take this off uh, because all the things that are building intrigue, right? What we would normally do after the scripture is read is we would walk through the story of this man born blind and the actions that follow, kind of walking through together, teaching in a preaching kind of style, what God's word has to say for us. But today, instead, what we're going to do, informed by the biblical text, informed by the historical context, I'm going to invite you to, to join me in seeing through the eyes as if the man born blind was here today telling his story. Because listen, we need to see what he saw. We need to learn what he learned. And it covers the whole of John chapter 9. And here's what I actually want you to do while we're going through this this morning. Is I want you to actually have your Bibles open. So if you haven't already, pull up your Bible apps or your, your Bibles. And look at John chapter 9. Because as you hear his retelling, I want us to follow along. Still take note of the text. And while you're doing that, While this is taking place this morning, I want you to participate quietly within your own hearts and minds by asking the question, who's really blind? Okay, let's do this. It's great to be here with you today. Um, What I'm about to tell you, uh, some have dubbed um, an eyewitness testimony, which I find kind of ironic, uh, considering that for part of what I'm about to tell you, what I experienced, I was blind. (laughs) So I am going to tell you something that is firsthand, um, but I saw with more than my eyes. And what I saw, the moment... Here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to tell you the story, okay? Because here's the deal. I can remember it as if it were yesterday. I was sitting down um, by the Temple Mount, and I heard this really loud commotion. It was as if, like, everybody was after a rebel or something. It seemed like a really loud argument that was going on. 
And, and there I was seated around the temple. This is usually where my friends helped lead me. Um, you got to understand, once again, I was blind at this point. And so what I would do is I would sit around the temple uh, begging, asking people for money because being blind, I couldn't find a trade or something to do. You see, back then during my time, there weren't a lot of uh, resources for people with various disabilities. You had to survive on the alms of those who actually believed God's purposes enough to give generously as I sat by the side. And while I was sitting there, I heard this group of people come by. And uh, what I later found out were disciples, or these people who were trying to be more like Jesus. Th these disciples of Jesus, they came up and they stood like right in front of me. And I didn't realize it was because Jesus saw me that they stopped. But at that moment, Jesus saw me. And then some of the disciples, they asked this question. They said, who, is, who has sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Which my first thought was like, hey, guys, I'm not deaf. I'm blind. I'm literally right here. And you're talking about me in front of me. But this is also what's important to know, and if you have friends or if this has been a part of your story where you have a disability or something, you're used to people talking in front of you as if you're not even there, constantly thinking that if you've got one area that's a bit broken, then surely you can't even understand what they're saying even though they're right in front of you. So I got used to it. I didn't say anything. And as I sat there, I heard Jesus' response to them. You know, for, them, for the disciples, it was really natural. It was a common question. It wasn't the first time I'd heard it asked, but this time they asked, who had sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And I'll never forget what Jesus said. He said, guys, you've got it all wrong. <laughs> You're, you've got a wrong starting point. It's not about who sinned here. This man was born blind in order that I do something astounding through him, that I can display something, reveal something about who I am to these people. I had never, you got to understand, I had never heard anybody talk about my life like that. And to say that right in front of me, that I had value, that no matter my life experience, I could be used by God. And listen, I know that there are a lot of different stories of suffering in this room and pain and heartache, and I'm not trying to relativize yours. But for me in that moment, I had a whole new window for the mystery of hope of what God could do even in my brokenness. And I thought to myself, like, why couldn't I have seen that? Why didn't these disciples see that if they're with this man who's been walking around saying something so beautiful and so wonderful? Well, this next part of the story, I just want you to know, uh, if you have a squeamish kind of disposition, <laughs> it gets a little weird. Um, and you've got to understand, once again, as someone who is born blind, I just suddenly hear, And I knew, you know, here's the deal. When you're also someone who's a disability and you're used to begging, you're used to teenagers or people who have had a really rough day and they want to feel superior to them, you know, to, to someone. Spit on me. I've had people push me around just because their egos were so insecure. I, I was used to it. But this time the spit didn't hit me. Once again, you, you, those of you who have been born with sight, you don't understand this, but you can hear a whole lot where things are hit, and I hear the, the spit hit the dirt. And then out of nowhere, I did not expect this, suddenly there's mud, and there wasn't any other water around, okay? Mud being rubbed on my eyes. <laughs> 
and how he did it. It felt like he was anointing a king. The way he touched my eyes, the way he touched me, it wasn't rough. It was as if like a mother picking up an infant, tenderness and care. But then I thought, ooh. Because <laughs> there it's still spit, right? It's spit-shaped mud that's on my eyes. And he looks at me, as best as I can tell, and he says, now I want you to go to the pool of Siloam, which means scent, and I want you to go and wash. And I thought to myself, hey, I may be blind, but I'm not an invalid. I know where the pool of Siloam is. I can make my way there. So I get up and I begin my journey. But here's the deal. I don't want you to miss this. This was really humiliating. Like in the moment, it's already bad enough. I'm standing there. I'm sitting there asking people for money, realizing that my whole life depends on the generosity and really the compulsion of others according to God's command to care for the vulnerable. That. Now I have mud because of spit on my eyes and I'm making my way to the Pool of Siloam with these mud-covered eyes, okay? So when he told me to go wash, I thought, yeah, this is going to happen eventually because uh, I want to get this stuff off as quick as possible. But making my way to the Pool of Siloam, dirty, messy, humiliated before others. But then I got to the Pool of Siloam. And all he said is, go to the Pool of Siloam and wash. I didn't know what to expect. I get there and I begin to wash. And you don't know, it's, it's hard for you to understand. When you're born and all you know is darkness, when you hear your parents' voices for the first time, there's no shades of color, there's no shapes, there's only sound. All you know is darkness. It wasn't like I was born and I even have vague memories of what things look like, of even how to describe color. People had tried to describe color to me, but there's no way to really. And then I began as I'm washing and I'm seeing for the first time the vividness of blue. I'm seeing the doves that would often pester me as I was there asking for my, I'm seeing their shape followed with their coup, beginning to put things together, looking at people around me, seeing the beauty and the grandeur of the temple that I had been begging in front of. I look down in the water and I see my own face for the first time. And I think, is that who I am? <laughs> That's me? A bit disoriented. And, and there was even a little bit of pain going from complete darkness to some light. I had heard Jesus after he'd said, you know, I, I'm going to reveal something in him. And he said, I am the light of the world. And as long as I'm here, I must do my work. And in being shrouded in darkness, I was curious to what he meant. I was eager that it might have something to do with my sight, but I wasn't sure exactly to what degree. And now at the pool of Siloam, being able to see, all I could think about was sitting in synagogue, hearing Torah read, and going to the book of Genesis, where God actually creates the first man out of mud. And here's this man taking mud and his spit and remaking my life. It's hard to describe how life-altering, how disorienting that moment was. But the, the story actually doesn't stop there. 
It doesn't just stop with me being able to physically see. And that, now looking back, I, I have a better understanding. It's because I wasn't the only one who was blind. And really, I have to wonder who was really blind in this whole story. Because you see, then I go back to my community, right? The people who had seen me, watched me born. I mean, and you got to understand, I know here in this day and age, you guys spend a lot of time alone. You make decisions on your career based upon your, like in my context, the community was everything. You start to figure out who you are. You don't survive without the community. So I go back to my, and I'm thinking people are going to celebrate. This guy who was born blind, many of them avoided, all the different things. I was sure they were going to be super excited. No. (laughs) Interestingly enough, I show up and I'm like, I'm the guy. I was born blind and now I can see. And then some are like, yeah, you look familiar. And then others of you are like, no, this isn't the guy, but he sure does look like the guy. Doesn't he kind of look like the guy, but it can't be the guy. And he's like, I'm the guy. And they're like, tell us what happened. And he's like, well, there's this guy, Jesus. He came, he spit in some mud. He anointed my eyes. I went and washed in the pool of Siloam and now I can see. And they're like, where's he at? And I was like, I don't know. And I get it. It's crazy, right? A guy who was born blind. It's not like I got some sickness and he finally figured out the cure. Like I was born this way and now I'm able to see all of it, it's like they've never seen me before. And I, I, in that moment, as I'm looking at blank stares from those who had known me my whole life, I asked myself, who's really blind here? So what did they do? Well, they did what was pretty natural. They kind of held a court case in some sense. They pulled together the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. And I got to be honest with you, there are some people who look exactly like they sound. <laughs> <laughs> And when I saw the Pharisees, they looked somber. (laughs) They looked serious. I thought their heads would be bigger (laughs) because they sure thought they knew a lot. And so, but I saw them and they approached me and they asked me what happened. So I told them my story the same way I told my community. I said, Jesus found me, anointed my eyes with mud. I washed in the pool of Siloam, and now I can see. But they got stuck on this one thing. And you got to understand, this was an important thing in my day. For, for, for you now, you think it seems silly, but for, for, for my community, this is actually kind of big, and especially for the Pharisees. They got stuck on the fact that Jesus did this on what's called the Sabbath, the last day of the week, okay? For us, there was almost no day more important. And you got to understand, too, This was a part of the Ten Commandments, the ten words that God had given us as to the life we were designed to live and to go about. And it was something very much intentional for us as a community because Israel, our nation, they had walked with God and then they turned their back on God and God said, I'll give you what you want. And then he led us into exile because we wanted nothing else to do with him and his ways. And so he said, if you don't want anything to do with me, then I'll give you what you want, which is to be far from me. And so we went into exile and then he finally brought us back. And then we recommitted and we said, you know what, God, we are committed to you. This is nowhere near as glorious as it used to be. And so we're going to try to follow your ways. And then the Pharisees were probably the most zealous out of all of us. They really wanted God to come and to do his work. 
And so they were like, we're going to not just follow the Sabbath. We're going to put extra rules to make sure all of us are keeping everybody in check to really follow the Sabbath so that God's promises would come true. And they had a certain interpretation as to what it looked like to actually work on the Sabbath. So this was really serious. And they said, well, surely Jesus is a sinner because he did this on the Sabbath. And so he could not have been the one who did this. I remember thinking, he's a sinner? If he's a sinner, then, then, then he couldn't have done this. But, but here I am, able to see, and I know he did this. And they said, well, what do you think about this guy? What, what do you say about him? Well, at the very least, I was like, man, I don't know a whole lot about this guy, but he's got to at least be a prophet. God is with him. I know that much. So at the very least, this guy's a prophet, someone who can do something really powerful because God is with him. Now, at this point, the Pharisees are like, okay, you are not who you say you are. And so what they do to confirm that I am indeed this guy who was born blind because they're not believing what I have to say, they pull in my parents. And they're like, well, at least we can get his parents here. And if this is indeed the guy, they'll say that he's the guy, right? Now, there are few moments in life probably as painful as this one for me. I hadn't seen my parents yet. I mean, literally had not seen my parents yet. And when I saw them for the first time with my own two eyes, I didn't see joy. I saw shame and I saw fear. You know, it's like every kid's dream. That one day you'll see, whether it be a sporting event that you guys do here or something, we, but that you, you look into your parents' face and they're proud of you. They're excited for you. The first time I saw my parents, they were terrified of me. It's one of my earliest memories of sight. Because the Pharisees asked them, they said, is this your son? Is this the one that was born blind? With the Pharisees' hope that I'm not. And they also knew what was at stake here. They were terrified. They knew what could happen. They knew they could be kicked out of the community if they go too far. So what they did is the irreducible minimum. They just said, yes, that's our son. That's all they said. And then they said, he can answer the rest of the questions for you. Meaning they tried to distance me from them as much as they could. They were so consumed with their own self-preservation, they were willing to sacrifice me and send me to the wolves. I got a lot of friends who had family members, parents, siblings, who've experienced something similar to this when it came to Jesus. <laughs> People they thought loved them, distancing themselves from them because they're associated with Jesus. But I don't, I don't blame my parents in many ways. Uh, I think they were just blinded by their shame. I mean, think about the question the disciples asked up top. Remember that question? Who, who sinned? <laughs> was it this guy or his parents? The whole community was asking this question almost every day of their lives. They couldn't fathom that God would allow them to have a child born blind unless someone had done something wrong. They had, I'd, I'd heard them having arguments 
outside the house. What did you do? No, what did you? It's your fault that he was born blind. No, it's your fault that he was born blind. And then me riddled with my own shame. What have I done? And so, of course, they've got all kinds of dynamics going on in their lives and how they view me. And utterly terrified that all the rumors of the community were finally going to be revealed and that their very livelihood would be at stake. Well, once the Pharisees heard from my parents, at the very least, that they owned up that I biologically was theirs, they returned to me. And instead of starting with a question, they did something you're not supposed to do in a court case. (laughs) They started with an assumption. You're supposed to let the evidence, right, guide you to a conclusion. You're not supposed to start with a conclusion and then go fishing for evidence to support it. They said, well, Jesus is a sinner, right? They say, give glory to God. Jesus is a sinner. There's that sinner language again. In other words, they're saying, God surely did something in your life, but don't associate it with Jesus. Sure, we can't, we can't argue that you, were, that you indeed weren't born blind because you were and you appear to be the person that the parents are highlighting is indeed their son. So surely something happened, but it couldn't have been Jesus because he's a sinner. And so I just, I was like, well, hey, whether he's a sinner or in the wrong or not, I don't even know. All I know is that I was blind and then I could see and it was because of Jesus. (laughs) It's that simple. And not knowing what to say, they asked me again, well, tell us how it happened. And I was like, man, I just told you how it happened. You're not looking for the facts. You're looking for a weakness in the truth, hoping that you can build a narrative. And so I didn't really know what to do, so I just asked them, why do you guys keep asking me about this guy? Like, you call him a sinner. Are you trying to be like him? Do you want to be one of his disciples? Do you want to follow him? Do you want to learn from him too? Oh, that was a bad move. Uh, not a great move. Uh, they got really angry, like really angry, okay? And they're like, we don't want to be, you're a disciple of his. We're not a disciple of his. We are a disciple of Moses. We know Moses. We know his teaching. We don't even know where this guy came from. And I was like, whoa, you don't even know where this guy came from? Have you even done your homework? Aren't you the ones that are supposed to be researching this case out and you don't even have the facts and yet you made a statement about who he is and you know nothing about him? And then I just laid out what seemed pretty simple to me in the midst of what we'd been talking about. I said, listen, I'll hum, you know, I'm going to come humbly here before you, religious magistrates. But we know that God doesn't answer the prayers of people who are manipulating him and try to use him as a tool. But we do also know that God does listen to those who worship him and do what he wants in the world, does do his will. And I was blind, and when Jesus came, he opened my eyes, something that has never been done. As far as we know, we looked across other communities. Nobody else who's been born blind has been able to see, and it was because of Jesus. Therefore, that is something that only God could do, and if God did it through Jesus, then he has to be right. He can't be a sinner. Also, that, 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 did, that did not go well. Um, <laughs> you would think thoughtful logic that they themselves were wrestling through would help. And I 
found myself sitting there thinking, who's really blind here? Well, that was the final straw because they had no answer for what I said. (laughs) There was no argumentation. There was no logic any longer. There was just anger. And angry people in power will often abuse their power to hide their insecurity. And sure enough, what they decided in that moment then and there was to expel me from the synagogue. And you need to understand, the synagogue was the lifeblood of living. Like the synagogue is the place where you heard God's word. The synagogue is where you made connections with people about things that were going to happen on Sunday and Monday and thereafter. The synagogue, if you weren't welcome there, even if you went to the marketplace, people would be a little weary about selling you stuff or coming alongside of you in your moments of need. It would make you a social pariah. It was a, a whole nother kind of death. But that's not all they did. They then end, (laughs) I still remember because it stung so deeply. They said, you born in utter sin. They defined me as someone who didn't belong, who never will belong, and it, it was that way from the beginning for me, and it'll be like that way to the end. And I thought back to Jesus's words where he said, no, that's not the story of this man. <laughs> that is not the truth of this man. And I thought to myself, if they only knew what Jesus had to say about me. But that's not also where the story ends. (laughs) Because you know what happens next? When I felt utterly alone, when my parents had turned their back on me, when my community had turned their back on me, when the religious leaders who were supposed to be a fail-safe for us of God's purposes had turned their back on me, Don't miss this. Jesus found me. (laughs) When everybody else is trying to run from me and I have nowhere to go, Jesus found me. I love saying that out loud. Because he saw me in the beginning and then he found me at the end. And he came to me and he said, do you believe in the son of man? And I was like, I don't even know who he is, but you point me in the direction and I'll believe in him. I was like, whatever you want, Jesus. You just show me. And then Jesus said this. and He says, you have seen him. It's me. And I did see him. And I don't mean just with my eyes, like my whole heart, my soul. When he said that, I almost trembled at the weight of those words. And so I fell down on my face and I worshiped him. And listen, I know what that means. I just said, do you remember what I just said? I said that those who worship God and the ones who worship God only and actually do his will in the world, I know you only worship God. And there I was in front of everybody who had rejected me and except for Jesus, and I'm on my face and I'm saying, all of me is yours. I submit to you. All of me depends upon you. And then I even began to get it. The biggest thing with the Pharisees is that only God's allowed to care for his creation during the Sabbath. They don't get that Jesus is God. On the Sabbath, he's bringing restoration and wholeness to all of his creation because Jesus is God. And so I'm going to fall down in worship. If they could just see that, why can't they see that? And then Jesus says something in the earshot of everybody. He says, I've come here to bring judgment to reveal myself to those who know they can't see without me. 
and the Pharisees. Remember, they couldn't see me for who I was. They couldn't see Jesus for who he was. They couldn't see what Jesus had done in my life before their very eyes. They couldn't believe what Jesus had frankly done before them with many others right before their eyes. They couldn't see who Jesus was and what he was doing right in front of them. They look at Jesus and they say, are we really that blind? <laughs> Do you hear the irony? I'm sitting there thinking, did they really just ask that question? And then what Jesus responds with, and listen, there's a little wordplay there. Some of your translations today don't necessarily capture the weight and the beauty and the wonder of all of this. It's really good, and you can trust it, but let me give you just a little bit of the context. Then Jesus looks at them. He says, if you were blind, I could help you to see. And then some of your translations talk about guilt, but really... He says, and then you'd be free from your sin, the guilt of your sin. But since you say you can see, <laughs> then you are blind and you stay in your sin. I sat there thinking, everybody was curious if I was the sinner. Everybody kept talking about Jesus as if he was the sinner. But then Jesus says, it's the Pharisees. <laughs> oh, man. I never remember, I can't, I, I can't forget the, the look on everybody's face when Jesus said that. <laughs> the shock and awe of the moment. Who's really blind here? You see, I've come to see that to be blind is more than just being unable to see. You see, there's a blindness. <laughs> there's a blindness worse than not seeing. To be blind is to be unwilling to see, to open the eyes of your heart and genuinely let God show himself to you. You see, the disciples, they almost missed it. Now, I know y'all are walking through John's testimony. He talked to me, so he finally got it. <laughs> but the disciples almost missed it. The Pharisees were convinced that Jesus was in the wrong. They kept calling him a sinner, someone... Missed God's perfect mark. But here's what I've come to see. You're blind if you won't worship Jesus for who he is. That's where you are. You're blind if you won't worship Jesus for who he is. Sometimes people will take my story and the stories of others and they'll just go after people who are religious and say, anybody who comes with a religious claim, see, they're the real blind ones. If you would just be more fill in the blank like me as I walk away from God, then you'd really see. That's not the point. <laughs> My point. What Jesus is doing here is you're blind if you won't worship Jesus for, for who he is. My community was blinded by cynicism. They could not believe that something that good could happen to someone like me. My parents, bless their heart, were blinded by shame. They were afraid of all that they might lose if they associated themselves truly and fully with Jesus and what he was doing in my life. And the Pharisees, they were blinded by certainty, by their extra biblical, like their extra rules, and their particular interpretation that completely forced them to miss who Jesus was. You see, the, thinking back on my own story, I've just come to realize that everybody started this story blind, except Jesus. Everyone. 
Because Jesus is the one who saw me when nobody saw me. But here's why this is so important. This is why I think even Jesus said he's got something to reveal through me, to display through me, to everybody who had encountered me. This is the responsibility I, I feel to tell my story. Someone who really had nothing, who knew near to nothing, but all I had was that I was blind and then I could see and then I really got to see who made that possible. And it's my job to tell people about that. So I ask you today, like, what, what about you? Where are you blind? Remember, everybody's blind until Jesus enters our lives. And, and here's what I've also come to understand, too. We've not only all got kind of these blind spots, but for me, I had to be I had to kind of go through a way of humiliation. <laughs> Mud on the eyes with spit, not necessarily like a quick click of a transaction, right? Not a very privatized on my terms kind of experience. Then I had to walk through a crowd of people with mud on my face to finally be able to see, be rejected by my community, rejected by my parents, and then I saw Jesus. So the question comes for each of us, are you really willing to humble yourself to have sight? Jesus is willing to reveal himself. He wants you to see him, but you also have to be willing to humble yourself. If you come with arrogance, if you think you've got all the answers, if you're the one who thinks that you see everything so clearly, beware. All the people who thought so clearly or thought that they had it all so figured out were the ones who were really blind. And listen, this Jesus, <laughs> the reason we come to him, the reason the invitation to humble ourselves that we might receive sight and see him for who he is and what he does, <laughs> this Jesus is the one who saw me and found me, friends, when nobody else would. And you need to know, I, I don't know your stories and the complexities of today's world, but you need to know he sees you and he's looking for you. He wants to open your eyes too. Because listen, the last time I saw this Jesus, the one who spit in the mud to give me sight was spat upon as he was carrying his cross. The one who anointed my eyes to bring wholeness was anointed with a crown of thorns, carrying a cross, suffering, breathing desperately outside the temple, outside of Jerusalem once again. All to pay for sin. <laughs> that he might eye open our eyes clearly. The ones, when, when everybody's worried about who's the sinner, who's the one who's in the wrong, Jesus is like, I'm gonna solve that equation. I'm gonna go to the cross and everybody and all the things that others have done, all that sin that everyone is so concerned about and frankly, I'm concerned about too. I'm gonna pay for it so that when, you are, when your eyes are open, you can know you come free of charge with eyes wide open to walk with me. That's what he's come to do. And that's why I can't stay silent. Because I finally learned to see. Will you let him open your eyes and just take a look at who Jesus is? Can I pray for you all? Is that okay? Okay. God, you've opened my eyes to see you. And I know you've used my story throughout history to help others 
who have not seen Jesus personally see him through my story. To so many, I'm just a man born blind, but to you, Jesus, I am a brother. To you, Heavenly Father, I am a son. So Holy Spirit, speak your truth to your people that they might see and be found and know the joy of falling on their faces in worship before you. We need you. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen.